0: Welcome to the Memory Hole Show, where we talk about controversial ideas, unacceptable views, and pry through the madness. I'm your host, Brian, and this is episode number 13. So I have an announcement to make. I decided to put up a website for the podcast. Since my social media handle is at Memory Hole Show, it only made sense to make the website address, wait for it, (laughs) memoryholeshow.com. On the site, I'm adding articles to expand on some of the topics from the show, but I'm also going to add some other stuff too. The site's in its infancy right now, but it'll grow up over time. Go have a look. Let me know what you think. Jump in on the conversation. I was hoping that this would make it easier for people to engage with the show, to wake up the silent majority. And I know not everybody's really into Twitter. uh, So this gives you an option if you don't want to go onto Twitter and you can still have your voice heard. But still, one of the best ways to make your voice heard is to amplify this podcast by subscribing and sharing it. Leaving a five-star review also does a lot to boost the show. And anything less than a five-star review, just join me on Twitter instead. I'd also like to give a shout-out to Louis B. Aramburu. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. I used to follow him on my previous Twitter account. I'm glad I found your account again. And thanks for suggesting the book The Future of Fusion Energy by Jason Parisi and Justin Ball. I'll definitely be putting something together about that book. And now, on to the show. Years ago, I saw a funny skit. If I remember correctly, I believe it was Monty Python, and the skit went something like this. It takes place in the medieval times. A bunch of people are trying to determine if this woman is a witch. Basically, they conclude that if the woman floats, she's a witch. Now, obviously, if she drowns, she must not be a witch. But the point of the skit was that she would be guilty if she survived and dead if she was innocent. But looking at it a little further, we can see that the woman had to rely on the judgments of the group. So if the group is wrong, then her fate was doomed. But how do we make our judgments? How do we determine what is true? That's the tricky thing. Everyone has different lived experiences. And although there's only one truth, as in reality, you often hear people call these lived experiences, my truth. Now, I'm not a fan of that term, my truth, since it confuses something objective, the truth, with something subjective, your experiences. But to the point, with everyone having different lived experiences, how do we figure out what is true? It turns out it's actually quite difficult. Some people sometimes rely on the Bible to find the truth and other people use science to find the truth. And yet other people learn by watching the world around them and coming to certain conclusions. And in reality, most people use a combination of the above. Everybody has a different lived experience. And each of those perspectives has something to contribute. What's great is that we can talk to other people and validate or invalidate our ideas to see if our observations are an accurate representation of reality. The problem is that we all make mistakes. I say it's a problem because it can lead to wrong conclusions. But don't kid yourself. This is not a bug. It's a feature of knowledge gathering and discovery. See, you aren't perfect and neither am I. We all make mistakes. We all have biases, but mistakes play an important role in building up ideas and discovering the truth. You hear about that when you do trial and error. As you go through iterations of an experiment, you make mistakes. Those mistakes allow you to make adjustments to your ideas until you're able to tighten up those ideas. These corrections bring you closer to the truth. This is one way progress is made. Knowing that each person will have different perspectives and will have different things to contribute to knowledge Think about the 8 billion people on earth. No one person can know what 8 billion people know. And no one person can gather and integrate all that knowledge. So it makes you wonder, if 8 billion people living their lives can't possibly integrate all the knowledge they have, how could a massively smaller group of people do it? And this is one of the inherent problems with the concentration of power. This is why a ministry of truth can never achieve the truth. It doesn't matter if it's called the Disinformation Governance Board, it doesn't matter what the government calls it. As soon as the government gets to decide what is true and false, the truth is lost. This is not like your neighbor or your friend that is wrong about something and keeps repeating it. They have no influence or power. Even if they're famous, they don't have unlimited resources and a monopoly on power like the government does. So, how do you address the limited amount of people that will be taking over the thinking of 8 billion people? If the Ministry of Truth is run by woke people, and you aren't woke, do you think the truth has any hope? Do you think your views will be permitted? Obviously not. And if you're a disciple of woke orthodoxy, or a hard leftist, would you be comfortable if Trump ran the Ministry of Truth? Do you think your concerns will see the light of day? Obviously not. We can already see how many of the fact checking sites lean heavily left and try their very best to steer the truth towards their narrative. As I mentioned earlier, to get to the truth, we need to be able to be wrong. Only then can we strengthen our arguments and ideas that lead to the truth. Having a ministry of truth is about control. It's about their narrative winning. And like my wise friend Steve once said, winning and the truth have nothing to do with each other. One of the most pernicious aspects of life these days is the desire of so many people wanting to control other people. Regardless of the state of their own lives, these controlling people want to determine what you can do and can say and can think. They believe they know what's best for you. We've seen it with politically correct speech laws, hate laws, and now the Ministry of Truth. We especially saw it during COVID with the lockdowns, mask mandates, and forced vaccinations. One of the experiments that was tried during COVID was a variation of universal basic income. The US did it, and so did Canada. In Canada, it was called CERB, but what it really was, was a trial of UBI. As with most socialist ideas, they sound great and lovely. And as we always find out in the end, they're the most deadly ideas on earth. During COVID, people getting the free $2,000 were able to get by financially. After a while, They got used to it and decided that if the money coming in was equal to the money they got from their job, then why bother working? We saw this in the labor shortages that happened because of it. And this is a pretty predictable reaction. When the rules of the game change, people change their strategy. But that's not really what is bad about UBI. Sure, many people will choose to stay on the couch instead of working. It's the path of least resistance. The thing that UBI makes you, that is absolutely a game over situation is dependent. I mentioned in a previous episode that the Canadian government giving legacy media 600 million dollars turned the legacy media into regime media. You don't bite the hand that feeds you. And it reflects in the news. It doesn't matter what Trudeau does. His list of scandals is piling up, yet he's still in power. And anyone that opposes him, like the trucker convoy, gets very biased and negative coverage from the news. Who knew you could overthrow a government with bouncy castles? So given what I just described, how do you think people will behave when they are dependent on government money? I don't imagine it will be any different than the media. Even during COVID, they showed how far they were willing to go. If you didn't take the jab and you got fired because of it, you lost your ability to get unemployment insurance. That is sinister. So how do you think it will go when they threaten to take away your UBI if you get caught saying negative things about the government? And that assumes you even get to criticize the government before the Ministry of Truth gets you. The point is, is that UBI is dependence, and dependence means you're owned. In this case, dependence is slavery. So pay attention when they craft a pretty story around how free you will be under UBI. It's a lie. One of the challenges we face in these times of 1984 going from fiction to fact is trying to balance between living a good life and not becoming depressed at how messed up the world is becoming. All I can say is don't give up hope. Treasure the real people in your life that matter to you. There are many good people out there. We just have to get them all to push back a little so we can continue to be left alone to live our lives as we see fit. So as usual before I go, Don't forget to help me promote the show. Please, please, please subscribe, leave me a five-star review, share the show, leave comments on Twitter at Memoryhole Show. And now drop by the website, leave comments there too. Check out what I've done. Just type MemoryHoleShow.com in your browser and have a look. As a bonus, whoever leaves me a five-star review, well, I'll read it here on the show. So for this week's question. How bad do you think the Ministry of Truth will be? Leave your comments on social media at Memory Hold Show and join the conversation to unsilence yourselves. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. The link's in my Twitter bio, it's on the podcast description, and now it's on the website too. It costs next to nothing, so think about it. Then just do it. And don't forget speak up, or you'll get Memory Hold. All content from MemoryHoleShow.com and the Memory Hole Show is for the purpose of entertainment and is presented solely as opinion.